Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom, and today, a monologue. I'm going off about the in-laws. Again, enjoy. There's been so much that I've wanted to talk about that I felt like I couldn't talk about, that I felt like I was restrained from talking about. And a lot of that correlates to the fact that I do have two restraining orders against me from my brother-in-law and my father-in-law. And so much has been happening in my own personal life with the confines and the boundaries of that restraining order and these two individuals that... I kind of almost shut down and got real silent and just didn't want to participate with a whole lot of anything. Like I didn't want to participate with my reality because my reality was constantly being imposed by my father-in-law and my brother-in-law. And over the last month or so, we've had a couple of more issues surface that included wasting the resources, the time and the energy of the justice system of the sheriff's department and of human services in the county that we live in. And first I wanna say, I have nothing but respect and high regard for the justice system, for law enforcement, and for human services. I believe that these systems are put in place to help people, to protect people, and to provide some kind of justice and balance for people. Now I don't think the systems are perfect, and I don't think everyone in the system is perfect. But I believe the intention of these systems and I believe the intention of the people that have pursued careers within these systems is good. And I know that people just have to do their jobs. They have to follow up on reports. They have to take every threat as credible because we don't want to miss something. We don't want somebody to get hurt. We don't want somebody to be experiencing pain or suffering or or anything if there's a way that we can intervene with that. And so... With that being said, I want to apologize to Renville County. Like, honestly, I feel horrible that this family fuckery has turned into such a dramatic affair that all of these systems and people that work within these systems are being pulled into utter bullshit. And I truly mean that. So my in-laws have gone to CPS to try and get us in trouble try and get our children taken from us, which I think is one of the most fucked up things that you can do to a person. And really, 
I, I can understand a need to take children out of a home where children are being abused and neglected, but that is just not the case with me. So that's one thing I felt like I couldn't talk about, right? Like, but I did. I mean, I did a live video as soon as I found out, as soon as CPS had called about this report, like I was all over it. I did this live video on Facebook and I was like reacting clearly. Like, what would you do in my shoes if someone that has had no insight into your life for the last four years on any kind of level, let alone personal, turns around and makes such crazy ass allegations um, about children that they have no insight or interaction with is it's it's a pathetic low low move and and I was upset about it and I reacted to it um but not only that so then my my husband had to go down to the sheriff department last week because my brother-in-law decided that my podcast is a violation of the restraining order somehow because I'm sharing my story and because I've talked about the circumstances surrounding my story on my podcast and not many people know this maybe not I've had this podcast for a year and a half now so I was really feeling shoved into a corner because I myself didn't know if I could legally talk about what was going on without it somehow impacting me and so I was informed that the county attorney had to listen to my podcasts, a couple of them specifically, because there was an allegation that what I was talking about within the podcast pertaining to my in-laws was somehow a violation. County attorney decided, no, that's not true, thankfully. And that is the case. I'm not saying anything negative, really, other than about the actions that they themselves have performed. So all of this has just made me feel really restrained. And I have not known what to do with it because one part of me is like, who the hell wants to hear about your bullshit drama, Danielle? Nobody cares, right? But then I've had people reach out to me after I do videos, especially when I'm venting about my in-laws, where they're like, thank you for letting me not feel so alone because I am going through crazy shit with my in-laws too. And I love that you can talk about what you're going through but you can also talk about what you're learning and you still extend grace to these people. So that makes me that makes me feel like it's okay to share my story. And here's the thing that I know about stories. We share them with other people to make other people not feel so alone. That's how we show other people that we relate to them. We always share pieces of our story. Do you ever notice that when you're in a conversation with somebody and they're telling you about something that happened and then you got to throw in a part, oh my God, I totally relate to this. This one time, da 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 da, da happened to me. And we're, we're, we're expressing a little piece of our story to let this other person know, I really do know what you're talking about. Look, I have a story that kind of matches it. And when we share stories with one another, we're sharing space with each other. And when we're sharing space with each other, we're letting each other know, I see you. I hear you. And that's important. That's what my podcast is for. That's why I do what I do. That's why I like conversation. Because it is through conversation, I get to learn more about other people. And the more I learn about other people, the more I realize they're just like me. And that's a beautiful thing. But there's that other part of me, you know, and maybe you feel this way too sometimes when you think about your story and you think about sharing your story negative Nancy's come along and tell you you're just being selfish and dramatic and looking for attention and nobody really cares about your story. I had a couple of friends give me some advice and I had some conversations with my daughter and my husband too. And I came to the conclusion that I don't give a fuck what people think anymore. I just, I can't. I can't. 
What I find to be true is that when I share my story, I grow. When I share my story and I put it out there and then I go back and I listen back to it, I can actually take away a new piece of information from my own life and I can create a new application and I can inject a new practice that will help me avoid experiencing those icky feelings that I've expressed in the past. And I don't know why anyone would want to stop anyone else from evolving and growing in that aspect, but if you don't want to hear my story, you can shut off the podcast. I'm not forcing you to listen. But to those of you who come to hear my story and to those who hear my story and know that there's a piece of your story that somehow correlates or can relate to my story, I hear you and I see you and I thank you for giving me time to hear my story. And I hope that in return at some point you'll want to share your story with me and maybe for the listeners. I know I continue to ask you if you're interested in joining me for a recorded conversation, and very rarely do I get any input and requests from other people, but I'm, I'm letting you know that door's still open. So if you would like to join me on recorded conversations and share in a fun, authentic, connected dialogue, I'd be happy to have you. Going forward, the in-laws are, it, it's like every few, it's, I don't, I don't, if I lay down a timeline, it seems like every couple months, it's, there's just too much quiet for them. And so they need to go and pick at something. And what ends up happening is they end up picking at their own scabs and opening up their own wounds and then turning around and blaming me for pulling that scab off. That's what I'm seeing transpire. Running to the sheriff's department, running to the county attorney, turning to CPS, making this impact and affect more people than it needs to. It really has made me stop to pause and think about what's going on in their heads and their wives' heads for that matter. Because I got to tell you, in so many of these situations, combined with the creepy, stocky attitude that my brother-in-law has developed and that he's always gawking and staring in my windows looking at me and my kids, where it seems to be that anytime me or my children go outside, suddenly my father-in-law and my brother-in-law have to be in a space that they're usually not at just so they can keep an eye on me. I've, I've asked my husband, like, what, how would they respond if you acted this way towards their wives? I wonder how they would, how that, that would sit with them, right? And, and that's, that's where I've really been kind of curious about lately is what is going on in the minds of their wives while all this transpires? Like, what do their wives think about how much grief these men are dishing out to another woman whom they claim they're scared of? Okay, mind you, they, they, they said they said to the judge, I am scared of her. I fear for my safety. I don't know if she's going to plot to kill me. And they've said all these things and they've said, I just want to be left alone. I just want her to leave me alone. I just want to be left alone. Which is what I've been asking for for five or six years. And I have, you know, the emails, the text messages, the voicemails, videos to prove it. But I've wanted to be left alone from them, right? Because for this duration that I've been with my husband, 15 years, all they've been doing is trying to get him away from me and to get me out of the picture. And then we've had all these kids together and that makes it more difficult, of course. Um, so all of these other people are impacted. So these men walk around this site doing their normal business, I'm sure. But 
with so much heavy thought invested in Danielle. A little bit of it makes my ego happy, you know? And and how can you not? Like, think about it. If you know that somebody is investing that much time and energy into thinking about you day after day after day, doesn't that kind of give you a little chip on your shoulder? Doesn't that kind of make you feel like you have a little bit of power that you didn't even know you had? And I've been saying that for years to my husband. I'm like, they, they give me so much power. They act like I'm this powerful person, that I'm this coercive, brainwashing, controlling, like, tyrant of a leader or something that I have all this power and I don't and I've never wanted it um but to be that obsessed with Danielle I mean I'm I I'm a great person guys I love myself I I really do I think I'm good looking so I mean I can understand the intrigue and the interest in Danielle on your mind all the time but what do the wives think? What, is, what, what do the wives think? What does my husband's stepmother and sister-in-law think of all this? You know, and that's what I've been curious about is how do you feel knowing that your spouses spend that much time going out of their way to figure out a way to become another obstacle to me? How do you feel about the fact that they spend their days trying to find ways to oppose me and get me into trouble? That they try to find ways to unsettle my stability, that they try to find ways to remove a mother from three little children, that they try to find ways to become a division to the marriage of a husband and a wife. Because I think that's what they're after. Like eventually Danielle's going to get so sick and tired of it that I'm done, Corey. I'm done. Your family is too much for me. I'm just going to leave. I think that might be what they're waiting for, that I'm going to abandon my kids. I'm going to leave my husband. And then do they get their happily ever after? They get the Corey they want? Because I have to ask this question. And maybe I've asked it before. What kind of fucked up mindset do you have where you think that shoving me out of the way is actually going to get you what you want? Because nobody's actually going to respond to you the way that you want them to if you're trying to forcefully push someone that that person loves out of their life. Like I think about this, right? You come down and there's these ultimatums, her, us, her, us, you know, and, and for 15 years it's been that way. And I think, God, if I ever laid down an ultimatum like that, if I'm going to present an ultimatum like that, I better be prepared to get the answer I don't want, not just the answer I want. If I'm going to pursue anything in my life, I'm going to make damn sure that while I'm getting excited for the possibility of it working out perfectly the way I want it, I damn well better be ready for that that result to turn sour and to actually turn on me. Because while we put things out into the universe that we want, why we might make goals and plans for ourselves. This is what I envision. This was is what would make me happy. You have to realize that there is always a potential that everything you want will never bring you happiness. Even if you get it all, you might not ever be happy. And I'm going to tell you what, I have a lot of things that I've wanted. And sometimes I can look back on my life and go, God, I've gotten everything I've ever wanted. And in some regard, the things that I got that I wanted, I didn't really want afterwards, right? Like, oh, yeah, this is what I wanted, isn't it? Because we don't think about 
the other steps after that gripping and attainment of what we want, right? Because yeah, you might get what you want. I wish I had a million dollars. Boom, there's a million dollars. Did you think about the million problems that would follow that million dollars? You want this, you want that, you want that. You want everything you want perfectly wrapped, delivered to you in a present. When you open that present, you still have the wrapping paper and the box and everything else that that thing you wanted was contained in. What do you do with it? Did you want the trash? Did you want the wrapping paper? Now you have all of this additional stuff that follows suit with what you wanted and we don't think about it. And yeah, fine. You don't like the metaphor. Oh, it's easy to throw garbage away. But we could trace garbage all around the world and realize that actually putting that garbage into the garbage can has a consequence, a butterfly effect, if you will. Even when we get what we want, there's still a butterfly effect. There's still a possibility of chaos ensuing from getting what you want. And I think that's what's transpiring here. I think my in-laws probably thought that this is what they wanted. They wanted to make me feel restrained and restricted. They wanted me to, what, feel uncomfortable, unsafe, because they claimed that's what I made them feel. Oh, but here's the thing I know about feelings, y'all. Nobody can make you feel anything. Only you can. Nobody can make you feel anything. And I had been feeling restrained and restricted and contained. I had been feeling silenced. I had been feeling like I had to put my flame out. I had been feeling like I needed to shut up, sit down, be quiet, hide out in my house. I hung up a bunch of curtains so the creepers couldn't stare in my windows. I stopped going outside as much with my kids because every time I did... These fuckers were right there needing to follow us around and make themselves relevant in our view. And what I came to realize was like I was doing all that over a feeling that I was conjuring for myself. They can't make me feel anything. Nobody can make me feel anything. My husband can't make me feel anything. Only I can make me feel what I feel. And if I choose to acknowledge that I have that power and control over my own feelings, don't I want to fucking do something about it? Yes, I do. I want to do something about it. I want to ask myself why I feel restrained. I want to ask myself why I've been feeling restricted. And when I really sat down and started asking myself that, I couldn't really come to an answer without wanting to point my finger at something else, which brought me to believe that maybe my feelings were false. Maybe sometimes we put ourselves in a prison of feelings, (laughs) not realizing that we actually didn't even put a door on it, right? Like, oh, you're in a prison, Danielle, but there's a door and you can walk out of it. We put ourselves in prisons with our feelings and we act as though we're trapped in those feelings and we can't let those feelings go. And so we have to carry those feelings around with us everywhere we go, right? And I've said this in the past on other podcasts about like my father-in-law, that he like has to carry his feelings about Danielle around with him all the time. And like he can't let go of them because... I don't think he would think that he is who he is without those feelings. I think that's the case for a lot of people, right? And if I'm just talking about personal examples in my own life, I would say my mom probably suffers from that too. And these are things that I have noticed that I was doing, that I was imitating through them. Like I have to be this angry over this one person and this one instance that happened 15 years ago because if I don't, somehow it means I'm less Danielle. But that's not true. The truth is, I can actually be more Danielle and have space for more of who I am 
if I drop those irrelevant ass feelings that have been dragging around for a decade? Like, why do we do that? Why do we want to drag those feelings around with us? The beautiful thing about feelings is they're so freaking temporary. They are fleeting. They flow in and out with the wind. We don't have to hold on to them. They can come up. They can present themselves to us. We can look at them. We can feel them, feel these these emotions seething through our teeth. And you know, all we have to do, we just do this. It's gone. It really is that simple. And I know, no, 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 no. Feelings are complex. Emotions are so complex. No, they're not. They're temporary. They're nothing. They're actually irrelevant. They're irrelevant because they can't last forever unless you hold on to them. And then I think about, do not cling to me. Do not cling to me, Jesus says to Mary. But it's not that she's clinging to him. It's that she's clinging to these ideas and these feelings. And those are not things we're supposed to cling to. Now, why is it that we can cling to feelings like that and rage, anger, contempt, sorrow, but we don't cling to optimism and hope? And in some cases, when we do, then people are like, you're so toxically positive, I can't stand it. I've never thought I'd hear anyone say that positivity was toxic, but that's neither here nor there. The point is, is that we can cling to really good things if we want to, but instead we choose to cling to things that are not good for us. We choose to cling to our emotions and our feelings and our our righteousness because it makes us feel moral and principled, Right? I don't like this person. I won't vote for Trump because I'm moral and principled and I won't condone what this person says or does and da 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 da, right? I'm with you. I like, I've I've shared similar expressions, but it doesn't change anything. It doesn't do anything for that person. When we hold on to these feelings, it just clogs up space for like love and freedom and liberation. Every time we cling on to those feelings and we hold them in, <laughs> we're not giving space or room to the really good things that want to come in. It's like we would almost prefer to hold on to our misery, into our anger, into our sadness, into our feelings of exclusion, than to let it go and keep our hands open for love and hope and, and joy to pour into our hands. We fill our hands so full that it's pouring out of us, right? Like, this is what I want to make room for. I want the love and the joy and the hope. I don't want my hands to be clasped shut, holding onto feelings that I felt years ago, because I don't feel those anymore. And see, these feelings get trapped in our body, And what happens is then our body suffers from this. Physiologically, disease can invade us so much easier when we are clinging and holding on to this shit. Disease creeps in and squeezes through the tightening and then spreads. And I don't want that either. So I want to remain open. These feelings will come and go that I have, right? And I'm not going to lie, I react. Uh, Last week... When I heard that my brother-in-law ran to the sheriff department again and then asked the county attorney to listen to my podcast, I started freaking out. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But then I went, you know, oh, my God. Wait a minute. You got the county attorney listening to my podcast. I should thank him for that. And then I thought, oh, God, the sheriff 
the sheriff department might be listening to my podcast. And then I thought, I wonder if these people realized that they were actually helping me, right? Like sometimes we think that, ah, it's negative attention is not good. But I think, well, you might have just increased my download count. And you might have just got me a new audience member. And then I found out, too, that they were reading my blogs. They had to go through certain blogs that I was writing because clearly a violation of the restraining order. And I was so upset. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. How invasive. And then I went, wait a minute. Somebody's reading my work. And I mean, that means a lot to me. I don't like to talk about the numbers or the downloads or the page views or the page shares or the retweets, or whatever it is, right? I don't care about that. But when I hear that someone was using my my blog or my podcast as like negative leverage, and then it turned around and ended up not being a negative thing, I think it's great that someone else heard my story. And I gotta say, I've been sharing my stories about my family dysfunction dynamic for some time, well over a year and a half on the podcast and almost two years on the blog. And so this isn't new. And I don't need to be silent about sharing my story. And I'm not going to be scared anymore to share my story. And I think we need to stop imposing that idea that sharing your story is somehow scary. It's liberating. It frees you. When you share your story, You're opening up a new space of relation for another person. You are creating space for relatedness. And that's all I want to do. I want to create space for relatedness. I know how many times in my life I have felt excluded. I have felt like I didn't have a community. I have felt like I didn't have a family or a tribe or a support system. And it was in moments where someone else was willing to share space with me and share their story that I didn't feel lonely, excluded, and, and, and unimportant. I felt relevant. I felt like I mattered. And I felt connected and alive. And that's what I'm doing with my podcast. And that's what I'm doing with my life. I share my space with people. I love doing it. I love sharing space. I love sharing stories. I want to hear the stories. And nobody's going to silence me. No one's going to make me feel scared to do that. The only person that can make me feel that way is me. And I was in the way. And so now I'm removing myself from the way. I'm not going to be an obstacle to myself. I will share my story. I, all I'm learning is that these people that are so opposed to me, they have their own shit to deal with. This isn't even really about me. I'm just someone they can project it on. And I get that. And I've said, I I think I talked about this before, where I'm really coming to terms with understanding that they just had some really shitty childhoods and they had some really shitty parents and they had a lot of really shitty experiences with their parents in their childhood and they haven't figured out how to work them out. I mean, that's ultimately what most of our problems are. We just haven't worked out all the traumas from our childhood and the shitty dynamics of the parents that we had. And I'm not saying my parents were shitty. But as far as parenting goes, none of us know what the fuck we're doing when it comes to parenting. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't care if you have degrees. I don't care what kind of an expert you are. Parenting is different for every single person, and there is no way to do it perfectly. 
And nobody does it right, not especially the first time or the second time. So all of that is to say that I'm not saying that my parents were shitty or that we all have shitty parents. But, I mean, life is really shitty sometimes. And the beautiful thing about shit is that everything grows from it. So there's that possibility, right? Like my life, my, my, my whole farm is just covered in shit, right? Like there's shit everywhere. That's literally all we're dealing with is shit. There's chicken shit. There's cow shit. There's pig shit. There's the shit, 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 right? But we love the shit because when we put that shit on our garden, man, does shit grow. <laughs> so shit grows. So we grow from our shit. And I'm going to grow from my shit. I'm going to tell the stories of my shit. And uh, from there, I don't know. But I, I am freeing myself from the personal restraint and the personal restriction that I put on myself because I was scared. I'm not saying that I'm not going to be scared anymore. But I'm going to say this, that every time I am scared, I'm, I'm going to really look at that fear. I'm going to hold that fear down. And I'm going to look at that fear in the eyes. And I'm going to say, what are we afraid of today, Danielle? And I bet what I'll come to find is everything that I think I'm afraid of is actually nothing. And that's kind of beautiful. All we have to fear is fear itself. Thank you.